Welcome to the Dividend Cafe weekly market commentary focused on dividends in your portfolio and dividends in your understanding of economic life. Hello and welcome to today's COVID and markets brought to you by the Dividend Cafe here at the Bonson Group. This is David Bonson. You know the routine. I'll spare you all the details. Um, Look, the market ended up kind of flattish today. Dow was up a couple points, but the S&P was was down a bit more, and and it was really just one or two stocks that brought the Dow up. So kind of a flattish um, day, but really strong performance from some select shopping mall REITs that will uh, remain nameless, some banks, life insurers, some of the areas you would expect to benefit from a steepening yield curve. And I absolutely love a chart that I put in um, straight from my own fact set analytics today at covidmarkets.com to kind of help explain what's driving the performance in some of these select industries that benefit from a widening spread between short-term interest rates and long-term rates. So you basically have the short end of the yield curve, uh, very short uh, maturities, six-month, one-year, two-year of treasury bills that their yields have really not moved this week, last week, or over the last month. But you have a longer-dated treasury bond, let's call it the 30-year, where the yield has spread, has gone much higher. So the spread between the short and the long has really expanded. And that becomes a very positive environment uh, for risk-taking. It becomes a very positive environment for uh, the banks and, and certain companies that, that are financially organized around those lines. So uh, on a macroeconomic standpoint, it's Thursday, which means it's weekly jobless claims number. It came in at 1.87 million, lowest number we've had since COVID began. Uh, but still a very high number and actually a little higher than some of the, uh, the economists and so forth had predicted. The futures moved down this morning when that number came, but then kind of rebounded after that. Now, the continuing claims totaled $21.5 million. So that number is way down from the kind of high level. If you look at the aggregate of weekly jobless claims, there's clearly some large number of people that, that have either gotten their jobs back or are to have totally stopped looking altogether and are classifying themselves that way. I find that a little less likely, but we'll get more color on all of this, and I plan to really, really expand on it in the Dividend Cafe tomorrow. But the reason we'll get more color tomorrow is it's Friday, first Friday of the month, weekly, excuse me, monthly unemployment uh, rate and total unemployed data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, so we'll have more to say tomorrow. On the health data side, it's become a broken record. Um, we're not out of the woods. We still have, you know, 20,000 cases. But uh, once again, uh, another low number on case growth, barely over 1%. And yet testing is up 60% from where it was the same day as last week. Um, and then even as I uh, was wrapping up COVID markets today, the um, daily run for Thursday here today was 465,000 new tests done. I think that's a new record. And um, the positivity rate of 4.46%. So we're now even pushing that 6% rate down below 5%. And we're pushing that 350,000 uh, was went up to 400, up to 450. So 
total number of tests going higher, positive percentage of those tests going lower, win-win all around. Um, There are probable COVID deaths being added to some states' data, and yet even with that, the daily death number is continuing to decline. Okay, and hospitalizations, I talked about this, I think it was yesterday, they've continued to show a very steady, very significant decline that's not been interrupted by data anomalies. But when we look at a few states that have seen case growth, uh, Arizona, California, Kentucky, Texas come to mind, the testing in those states has increased so dramatically that the case growth adjusted for new testing levels is either flat in some states or actually declining. And that is the real mathematically and statistically honest way to be assessing it. Uh, There's always little pockets you want to look to. Even when you see states like North Carolina that adjusted for new testing seem to have a bit of an increase, you have to understand you're talking about a few hundred people or, or, let's see, two weeks, there are 200 people higher in case growth per day. That's It's not statistically earth-shattering by any stretch. Um, Medically, the Roach test for severe COVID cases has received emergency FDA approval. This was not really expected. Um, I don't know why I got into it this morning, but I read a whole report on their blood test. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's spelled as Elixis IL-6, and it's essentially intended to identify patients who are carriers of the virus and are more likely or prone to develop extreme respiratory distress. And they can do all of it in 15 to 20 minutes. And the science that goes into how they identify severe carriers or carriers with severe vulnerabilities uh, is beyond me. But it is uh, seemingly a pretty breakthrough ability for them to be able to identify early on those that would be most at risk, because that, of course, could lead to theoretically more aggressive therapeutic treatments early on, which should help uh, decrease cases that become severe or, God forbid, fatal. Uh, Roach, by the way, is the same company that makes one of the most lauded antibody tests. Um, to my comment the other day about infection risk from the wide-scale protests that have been taking place all over the country this last week, um, I thought this quote from my favorite analyst at Fundstrat was uh, informative, just to get an idea of when we'll be able to kind of understand a bit more. Uh, his point was that protests started, and I'm quoting here, five days ago, and 92% of those exposed to COVID-19 are symptomatic by day 14. 50% are symptomatic by day 7. Now, day 14 from these protests would be June 11th. So if there is not a massive second wave by June 11th, then you have to conclude we've had a definitive break in transmissibility. Do with that what you will. And then finally, probably the most important news that you've been waiting for in the health data section, NBA Board of Governors approved almost unanimously, one vote against it. I don't know who that was. Um, To finish the NBA season uh, at Disney World. Uh, the Players Association still has to prove, but they're expected to do so, and that would be tomorrow that they will be voting. And if all this goes through, which, again, it really appears it's going to, 22 of the 30 NBA teams will be beginning July 31. Um, don't ask me why so late. Uh, I don't know why they need seven, eight weeks from here to get in shape, but, you know, uh, I, I digress. 
Uh, they will play eight games to kind of finish up the season and help formulate that final playoff bracket. And then from there, they'll do playoff series, best of seven, you know, at normal. And it will uh, take the next couple months finishing up all the way into October. So some uh, really good news, not just for sports fans, but for all uh, who want to see ongoing normalcy in American culture and American life. Market technicals, I, uh, you know, it wasn't exactly the most courageous call of my life, but I did suspect that yesterday's 500 point plus rally in the market had a spectacular breadth to it. And indeed, 68% of the S&P companies were trading at a 20 day high yesterday, which is one of the best readings of that many companies. It's such a short term movement in over 50 years. Uh, It can be climactic in the short term. Uh, I have a chart uh, indicating all this at, at covidmarkets.com, but it also has an unbelievable track record of being very longer term bullish. Past observations where you have 50 or 60% of market names at 20 day highs in the same time has led to um, outperformance versus regular average returns two months out, four months out, nine months out, uh, very consistently. You know, we don't have any law that says history has to repeat itself. I'm just trying to provide that substantial historical precedent. And it does kind of align with our own worldview that is short-term agnostic and medium-term optimistic. Um, that, By the way, first time the average stock in the index is starting to outperform the index itself. So you're getting that broader penetration of market performance. Um, and that was evident yesterday. It finally broke out a little range. Now, uh, a kind of cautious tale here, another chart at COVID Markets, is the put-call ratio, total amount of puts buying protection on the S&P divided by uh, – actually, um, this is across the, the whole spectrum um, – divided by call options, which are you know more bullish. Um, as a contrarian, a screaming number – of bearish option trades compared to the collapsing number of bullish option trades would be a very bullish contra indicator. Uh, Yet we're seeing the opposite now where markets have rallied in dramatic fashion and all of a sudden you have a much lower percentage of puts divided by calls indicating a more optimistic sentiment. And that again, because we're contrarian, um, is considered to be a bearish indicator in terms of sentiment, even though that can take a while to play out. So the Senate did pass the House's fixes to the PPP legislation. Uh, I think we're just waiting on POTUS's signature, but you have um, the payroll requirement from pay- PPP money will now only be 60%, not 75%, as far as a percentage of what those PPP proceeds are spent on. And then the window to use the funds is now 24 weeks um, essentially half the year practically versus the prior eight weeks, which was about to expire. Keep in mind, there is still another $120 billion in the tank in this program. And you remember when they extended it, okay, they did 350 and it went real quick. And then they added it uh, another 310 or so to the, to the revolver in that second legislation. Um, and of that... We still have 120 left. The initial portion went out right away. It was kind of the overflow from round one. Then everything slowed down. And the consensus was either that we had maximized demand 
or that there were a number that maybe wanted it, but just thought those two restrictions I just mentioned were too tight. We're going to see now, is there more demand for PPP funds that was just simply being held up by the um, inflexibility of the forgiveness demands, or have we just kind of run our course with the total amount of available capital and demand for such capital? Uh, by the way, WTI crude broke past $37 a barrel today. That's not, that's not you know, a, a great number, but I just want to put it in context. On Sunday night, uh, March the 9th, okay, in what would become the following week, a week from hell that I will never forget, on that Sunday night, oil gapped down from just a little over 40 down to 30 bucks, And that's the last time we saw 37 and so we're we're kind of back into filling that gap uh, from the initial sell-off when the Saudi-Russia supply war began in the early part of March. Uh, the fact that this has been in a three-month time period is simply surreal. In Fed news, I focused on the Main Street lending facility yesterday, and I didn't touch this. Um, but I, I want to get you up to speed uh, around the chatter surrounding the Fed's corporate bond facility, which, by the way, has so far bought a grand total of zero bonds. And so I think there is a little case going on here of what I would call Paulson's bazooka theory working 12 years late. You recall 12 years ago, Secretary Paulson said of Fannie and Freddie in July that if the market knows Congress has given them a bazooka, that they wouldn't have to use the bazooka. And of course, that didn't work out. We're just a couple months later in September. Uh, obviously, the United States Treasury took over Fannie Freddie. Well, I wonder if in different circumstances here, that is what's going on, is that there's such great health and liquidity reinstilled into the corporate bond market because of the Fed announcing their intention to intervene, that it's become unnecessary for them to intervene. I think there's also probably other circumstances, obviously broader market improvement um, and the fact that the issuers would have had to pay a fee to the Fed, a user fee, which would make it more expensive. This is something uh, a bond money manager of mine explained to me directly yesterday that was very informative. But I also do think there's a kind of stigma that companies may not want. And they right now don't feel that they necessarily need if they tap the facility. Now, the secondary market facility has to get up and running. Because surely there are bond buyers out there who bought on the news in March and April with the intention of selling to the Fed later. And and so less and less, um, I think, is this facility necessary to create financial stability. The question really becomes whether or not it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, like we, we don't need it for financial stability because we got financial stability from them believing it was coming or if there's just really legitimate external improvements. But it's an important aspect when we look across our financial capital markets. Now, other central banks are going to be in my Fed news here because the European Central Bank announced this morning that they're increasing their quantitative easing, their bond buying, from their prior target of 750 billion euros to 1.35 trillion euros. So an increase of 672 billion U.S. dollars. And they're going to give themselves all the way till next June, a year from now, to do that. So they elongated the time period and substantially expanded the dollar threshold by which they will use their balance sheet as an interventionist and expansionary tool. 
So that's all I got here today. Good amount of health, good amount of technicals, flattish market today, jobs number tomorrow, dividend cafe tomorrow, longer podcast, regular weekly commentary. You know the routine and please reach out to us anytime with any questions. Review the dividend cafe podcast, please say nice things about us or say not nice things about us. But at least thank you for continuing to listen to us. The Bonson Group is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free risk. There is no guarantee that the investment process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. The Bonson Group and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the Bonson Group and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for any related questions.